good to grab a cup of tea or a coffee um, in church, isn't it? One of the privileges we have at the moment of being able to do services from home. Actually, there's nothing in mine, it's just a prop. But hopefully you're enjoying a good cup of tea or coffee or something else that you like while you're listening to this message. Today, we're looking at James chapter two for both our morning and evening services to make sure the whole chapter is covered, which is really exciting. Both very important messages this morning, thinking about being chosen and favoritism, and this evening thinking about showing and telling of Jesus, even in these times, especially in fact, in these times, these strange times we're living in. So please do check out both. I think you'll find them helpful by God's grace. Let's turn now to James chapter two. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Praise God for his word. So favoritism. I have experienced a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, followers of Christ, being so kind to the poor. And I work for a charity called Off The Fence where I'm in charge um, of all the homeless work there. And it's been lovely to see Christians help in all sorts of ways, whether that's been volunteering with me or working hard as paid staff or um, donating in different ways. There is a lot of love for the poor from the church and from others, and it's really good to see. So I'm not gonna focus this morning on talking about favoritism from the exact angle that's mentioned in this passage. I wanna focus on it from a different angle because favoritism is actually really broad. 
Favoritism is something that is very easy to show without even realising you're showing it. Let me take you back to those school days. Remember those times when you were in PE and you were in those really um, thin PE kits where you're absolutely freezing, standing in a row, um, waiting for teams to be chosen for rounders or for football or for whatever. And you're um, waiting to be picked, hoping to be picked. And names are shouted out by the two captains. And perhaps your name is not shouted out until last or near to last. How did that make you feel? Well, I know how it made me feel being one of the last, I think never the last, thankfully, but, but one of the last um, on, a, on a lot of occasions to be chosen. And yeah, it's not a nice feeling to say the least. And the favoritism that was often shown, it was, it was often the, the popular ones um, that were chosen first, not necessarily the ones that were best at sport, though I put my hands up and say, apart from uh, football and wrestling, and I've never been great at sport. Um, so yeah, in my case, it probably wasn't a popularity thing. Um, but often you could see those popular people chosen, favoritism being shown, and people who were, who were less liked for whatever reason, um, picked near to the end or absolutely last. And that feeling of being picked last, of not being important, it's, it's hurtful. And it's the kind of feeling that the poor person mentioned in our scripture would have felt, you know, been taught to sit at the feet of someone um, rather than to be treated with care and kindness. And I wonder if we think back in our lives from maybe even before school days onwards, if we can think of any examples of where we've shown favoritism and been unkind to people or where favoritism has been used against us um, to really hurt us. Just have a think for a moment about that. And the big message for this morning God will pick you first. And God has picked you first. And he's done this by showing that he would give his absolute best to save you. As we also saw in the scripture, we are lawbreakers. If you didn't pick that up, that's the newsflash. We are all lawbreakers. We are all sinners. We've all done things to displease God, to go against God, to fall short of the glory of God. We need a saviour. We really need a saviour. And what's great is that God, in his wonderful love for us, sent Jesus to save us. And I often think, well, for him to give his only son, his one and only son, his precious son, well, we've got to be worth dying for, haven't we? And that isn't to say that um, it is a gracious act, because of course it is, but it's to say, hey, we don't need to think about ourselves as being the last to be chosen, as being the uh, runt of the litter, or whatever it is you may feel, because that's not how God sees you. 
he, he would pick you first. He'd pick you first because he sees you as worth dying for. The cross proves that he sees you as worth dying for. God saw you as so important, so precious to him that he sent his son on that cross to pay for the things that you've done that are wrong. To make up for the fact that we are lawbreakers, that we do things, say things, think things that are sinful, that are wrong, that are dark. You may have heard me say before, a good way of thinking of sin is darkness. Any dark thought, any dark action, any words of darkness, unkind words, other dark words, this is sin. And God has paid for that sin in full through the blood of Jesus Christ through the cross, through his son, this most amazing grace. You are worth dying for. That also means that everyone else in this world is worth dying for. So we need to be careful that we don't show favoritism, that we don't treat people in a way that is unkind, that we don't treat people in a way like we're better than them. Let's make sure that if we're gonna compare ourselves to anyone in life, that we compare ourselves to God. Because when we compare ourselves to him, it helps us strive for greatness. And, that mot and the motive for that has gotta be out of loving him and worshiping him, not out of guilt or fear, that's really important. But he is the one we should compare ourselves to so that we try to be like him, rather than look it down at people, down at our feet stuck on the side out of the way, lost to be chosen. Rather than behaving like that, thinking that we are better than anyone, instead to love others and to help them know that they are chosen, that they are worth dying for, and that God loves them so very much and wants them to walk with him. I think a big challenge for us as Christians, in addition to all that I've said, and on the same subject, is actually thinking about God's family. Because the church, anyone who believes in Jesus and follows him, the church, we're called to be a family. And in times like this, we particularly see who really cares about us and who doesn't perhaps, and who we really care about. And I would encourage you and challenge you, and I encourage and challenge myself the same, that we need to remember that all of the church is God's family and that we need to make sure that we're looking out for other brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're not so focused on our own families, on our own close circles, that we forget about other brothers and sisters that may need our prayers, that may need our help in other ways. And it can, that can be a form of favoritism, can't it? Because we can be so focused on our blood relatives, on, on our little circle of trust, that we can forget, well actually, biblically, every single Christian in this world, every believer and follower of Jesus, they're our brothers and sisters. And in heaven, well, we're gonna to be together, this huge family. And, and now is the time for us to act like that. 
let's not wait till then. Now is the time for us to act like that. And of course, there will always be a special bond between blood relatives and a particular people in your lives. But we've got to be so careful that we're not exclusive. We've got to be so careful that just as God had his arms open to everyone, particularly through uh, the life of Jesus Christ, through how he lived, we, we need to live like that. We need to show people the love of God. And I'll be speaking more tonight about, about showing of Jesus, telling of Jesus, but right now particularly think about what it means in terms of loving other believers, helping other believers, and making sure we're not exclusive. Let's make sure that we don't ignore someone in the church. Now while we're uh, isolated, um, a lot of us, or when we're back in the church. Let's, let's not allow anyone to be forgotten. Let's together, in our different churches, think about the different people in the church and, and just, if you've got a members list, go through the members list and just think, as far as I know, has anyone been forgotten? Of course, if you're in a church of hundreds or something, that's going to be a very much a joint effort to work that out. But, you know, if you're in a smaller church, one of the privileges of that is that you get to actually be able um, to know everyone in the church if you really want to. And I, I would encourage you um, to, to just ponder on all of this and to really think about how we can be better brothers and sisters to each other in our churches and not just our own churches, but other churches too. And as I say, I challenge myself with this just as much as I'm challenging you. So easy to be just zoned in on those um, that are in your families and those that you uh, particularly click with and are easy to get along with. What, what a challenge for us to particularly make an effort with those that we don't so easily get along with. Let's be that family of God. Let's be that people of God who really love one another because when the church is united, when we are truly loving one another, how much does that cause glory to God? How much does that help the world see there is something different about this? It's the kind of thing that will draw people to wanting to follow God. When they look at the church and people are divided in all their little groups and yeah, there's gossiping going on in all sorts, which can happen in any church, it just isn't really any different to the world. So why, why would they be at all inspired to come and be a part of that? Let's be that family of God. Let's seize these strange times to be really praying and asking God to help us love our brothers and sisters in Christ like he loves them. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you do not show favouritism like we do. And we pray that you would help us to not show favouritism, that you would help us to only ever compare ourselves to you. And as we compare ourselves to you, to not be downhearted, to remember how you love us despite our faults and failings, but to love you back, Lord, to, to love you and to give you our best. And we pray that you would help us in these strange 
times that we're living in and beyond to become the family, the family of God that you've made us to be, that churches will be supporting one another, that each of us within our small churches or big churches, whatever size, will be supporting one another. And that, of course, we too, as a family of God, will be reaching out to the world in prayer or action as you would lead us so that we can help other people to see the light of Jesus and join this amazing family of God, or at least give the offer and show that care of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Peace be with you.